Hi everyone, my name is Shay and this is the Iterate Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs about their experience starting companies and eventually making money. Um, this week, our guest is Colin Forbes. He's a student at the University of Florida who's started too many businesses to count and he'll talk through his first experience starting a larger company and now a lot of his small projects that he has going on. So hope you guys enjoy. There we go. Okay, sweet. Uh, okay, nice. Hey, Colin, how's it going? Hey, man, pretty good. Yeah, all right. So I've done a little intro. So I guess the first thing we should do is get a little background on you. How did you get into entrepreneurship? Uh, I guess just like give yourself a little intro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, yeah, my name is Colin Forbes. And um, I've always kind of known that I wanted to do something in entrepreneurship, either be my own boss or something along those lines. Um, originally, all throughout high school, I wasn't sure if it was going to be me starting my own business or uh, getting into a business and then working my way up. But during my senior year of high school, I came up with the idea for what would soon to become Classroom Sync, which was my major focus in entrepreneurship for the first couple of years of uh, my college career. Um, but at that point, I kind of knew that I, I wanted to pursue the direction of starting my own um, my own business myself um, and go that g- general direction. Um, but yeah, nowadays I, I, I don't work on classroom sync as much, but there's a whole bunch of other smaller businesses I've been working on as of more recently. Nice. Wait, so growing up, did you have any exposure to entrepreneurship? Is that like why you're interested in it or you kind of just like, how did you kind of discover that whole sphere of. Yeah. Um, I had always seen videos on YouTube, you know, be your own boss and a lot of the tech gurus, you know, you see Elon Musk starting up his own business and that definitely applied to me, but it wasn't until, you know, until about the college that I really realized that that dream of being my own boss. Um, my mom, uh, she wasn't, it, entrepreneurship really never came in the family. My mom is a hard worker. She has, um, she worked her way up through the ladder and is now, uh, one of the leading executives in her business. But, and I kind of always, look to her for that inspiration to see, you know, compare what success is like for somebody like me. Um, and I kind of always saw that, but as I got into college, I realized that, you know, regular people can do it, that what you see online and you see these incredibly smart people making these businesses and realizing that actually I, it's not just these incredibly, incredibly smart people that are doing it. It's more, you know, not your, your average Joe's and it's your people that, you know, it's being driven and actually going out there and doing it yourself. So I'd say I kind of found it just naturally. Um, I also, yeah, I have a lot of big goals in life and being able to create something is really what, what drives me, Even, whether or not that's a business or an artwork or something just lasting. I really want to make an impact, not so much in people's lives, but I want to more, more or less leave like a legacy behind. And I feel like for me personally, entrepreneurship and being able to create a business and something along those lines really resonates with me. Nice, dude. That's awesome. Okay, so you mentioned classroom sync, and obviously I know what that is, but for those who might not, mm-hmm. you kind of give some context as to what classroom sync and also how you came up with the idea. Yeah, so I'll start. Yeah, so I'll start with the idea. So it was my uh, senior year of high school, and it was about midway through, right when applications for colleges were being sent in, right just beforehand. And I was in my calculus two class, and uh, my teacher had just like my school had a very strict no cell phone policy, and to some extent, every law or every rule has its weak spots and stuff. And we were working on assignment. And rather than go across the room and grab the big old chunky TI-84, I decided I'd just pull out my phone and do this quick little simple calculation. And my uh, teacher saw me do that. 
and he was very, very anti-phone and just hated them for some, for, you know, understandable reasons, but he gave me a referral. And this to me was absolutely traumatizing because like I said, this was right before uh, college applications went out. So I was completely mortified that that was going, that that one single event was going to ruin my chances of getting into my dream college, which was actually UF. Thankfully, I'm here to tell the tale, but that was absolutely mortifying. And so from that, I, you know, before I figured out what I was going to do, if I wasn't going to be able to go to college, I looked at, you know, possibly doing entrepreneurship. Thankfully, I kind of have best of both worlds. But um, so Classroom Sync to solve the problem of really, it solves the problem of being able to use phones in a classroom setting. So what we would, what we did is we developed an app that kids would download on their phones and it would contain a whole bunch of different sub apps. So flashcards, textbooks, calculators, web browsers, pretty much anything you could ever really, really need in a classroom. And what we then do is we would link um, the information of when the student is on, is on our app and only on our app, and then which sub app they're using. And we would collect that information and then we would send it to the teacher. And we would give them a little window pane on their computer or their web browser, wherever it might be. And we would give them a really quick summary, whether they were on the, the phone, on the app itself or not, and then which sub app they were using. And so the purpose of this was to allow for teachers to not have to stare over every single kid's shoulder and see if they're using their phone for the right purpose or not. Basically, on all, it was to, so that way, you know, rather than have schools buying 300 400 $500 iPads for every single student or computers for every individual student, to kind of reduce the e-waste, and we said, hey, don't buy all these devices. Let your students bring their devices and let them use the devices that they bring with them every single day and actually enhance it rather than shun it. So that's kind of in you know a short couple minute um, where the, kind of the idea behind classroom sync and kind of the idea behind and the product itself that we had developed was came from. Nice, dude. I didn't know that's where that's where it like started. <laughs> like, like also it's mm -hmm. kind of funny that like you're like, oh no, a referral. I'm never gonna go to college. I guess I'll make my own. <laughs> uh -huh. I like to worry a lot, so that was always yeah, that was definitely a fear of mine at the time. That's funny. So okay from from that point when you came up with the idea um how long was it until you actually started putting things into action yeah so that was um that was like i said midway through my senior year of high school which i think was 2017 um and then it was it, it had been about a, maybe about like a couple of weeks and i realized like you know i cuz i had been brooding the whole time i went to, you know i wasn't too happy and then i figured out i could actually possibly make a service to kind of prevent other students from it from happening to other students as well and um so one of the first things i did ironically is i talked with the teacher that actually gave me the referral me and him were actually pretty close and he must have been having a bad day or whatnot i don't really know um but i actually pitched him the idea and he had actually ironically um done back in the 90s i think it was done some uh basic computer simulation um games and you know basic ones and so he he liked the idea he thought there was merit to it um and so from that, I actually talked with my, my high school principal, who I was good with, to see if there was a need for it. Uh, and then I talked with a whole bunch, basically every single string I could pull to get in front of a teacher or an administrator in some way or shape. Um, and so that was pretty, that was about maybe a month after the, the dreaded referral. Um, and it, but the actual business, I had written a business plan and made some god awful, horrible um, renders or quote unquote renders of <laughs> what the right. software would look like. I still have, I actually was just looking at them the other day. They're, my eye for color is absolutely horrible. But anyway, I, I yeah, I used uh, Microsoft Paint to be able to paint uh, over some, um, some render, some, like I said, quote unquote renders of what it would look like. And, but I really hadn't, and I developed the business plan to, 
basic, basic amounts. But it really wasn't until I came to actually UF um, that I was able to actually pursue that and work on it. And um, I had chosen to live in Infinity Hall, which is um, the entrepreneurship uh, innovation is, is very the downstairs of it has a whole bunch of um, it's almost comparable to like a makerspace where they have 3D printers, laser, laser cutters, water jets and a whole bunch of different resources. And also down there at the time was I think it was called Launchpad. Launchpad and that was ran um, ran by Kwong. And he, I kind of just sent emails to everybody and he responded and we set up a meeting. I said, I pitched them the idea, the, the reason behind it, what it could be, what it was supposed to do. And from there, we actually uh, met up with Aaron and we actually started developing it um, because at the time I actually didn't have the means. I didn't know how to code at the time. And especially, uh, even, even if I did know how to code, I didn't know, to, I wasn't able to do it extensively enough to be able to write the entire software and make it actually work and be able to be deployed. So got you. So you think that it was in large part because of meeting Aaron and Kwong and kind of having them give you tips about what the next steps are that like you actually like do you think that you would have continued moving forward with it if it wasn't for that connection or that kind of just was like a catalyst to you moving? I definitely think it was a, a catalyst. I think I, I know there's 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 definitely a lot of good resources on campus. It was kind of the one that definitely showed faith in, in the product and it was able to it really showed me that i i could do it and it was kind of my first direction that i really felt comfortable in going and i i really didn't know what i was doing at the time so it was really good to have that mentorship and have that ability to kind of steer me in the right direction as i had mentioned i had actually done a very very basic uh business business plan at the time which at, at the time was like a three-page word document and i remember specifically a really good example of being kind of steered in the right direction was doing what's called a business model canvas. Uh, I actually have it still, in, I'm in my room currently. I'm at, it's actually still up on my wall, believe it or not. Um, but it's, yeah, so it's, um, it has a whole bunch of different things. It was a really good way of initially designing the, the product and figuring out what you need. That you, I'm looking at it now. So it's the problem, solution, value proposition, customer segments, channels, all those, all those fun things. Um, but yeah, that was really, that really helped me guide me in the right direction. And it would have, to know if it was if it would have been done or not without their help, I, I can't really say, but it definitely sped up the process. No, no doubt about that. Nice. So, how did you did you kind of get the insight to go and look into making the business model the business model canvas and kind of planning stuff out more from your association with these mentors that you have, or was it kind of because, like, correct me if I'm wrong, you started off studying business. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually started off as mechanical engineering. At oh, the time. right, right, right. Yeah. Got you. So it was from those connections. Or was it from you doing research? Or was it from class? Like, how did you kind of know mm -hmm. what to do next? I guess from there, and like planning. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely from Kwong and Aaron for sure. Um, at the time, I like I said, I had the really short, um, really short word, word document, and I really didn't know where to go or how how to even what the first step was. Uh, I had. Growing up in not the smallest town, but a small town, and there wasn't really a thriving ecosystem, and specifically, people that really didn't people really didn't know what to do. It, it wasn't the only kind of entrepreneurship, at least from where I come from, is mainly like restaurants and small businesses, not so much big tech startups, or at least aimed to be big tech tech startups. So. Thank you. Okay, cool. That makes sense. So, what was the process like? I guess of building a team because i'm assuming you know you had these people that kind of had resources and knew which direction to point you in but then it's the issue of you know 
finding developers and finding people that can help you, you know, scale this and like war than like. Yeah. So, um, so as I mentioned, Kwong kind of introduced me to Aaron and Aaron was able to code the thing, uh, the, the software itself, but for the actual team itself, it was mainly me for the first one and a half years, probably because at the time I was ter- and just like a lot of new founders, I, people that are interested in entrepreneurship, I've learned that a lot of people are absolutely terrified of sharing their ideas. And I, I was, now I look at it a little bit differently that unless it's the next Facebook, I don't think anybody's going to steal it, especially if you already have traction and have mo- movement. Um, but I remember I was so terrified uh, to tell anybody about it, but eventually, so the first couple, first year, cause it took about, I think it was a good six months to develop the first year. I kind of just did everything by myself. But then I realized in my second year of college that I would need help. This was going to grow to any size to be anything impactful or anything of size. I would need to bring people on. And luckily I was at, you know, of course UF and I was in the entrepreneurship club and we had, they had a event where um, it would kind of showcase the small startups. And I was lucky enough to do that in the basement of the, uh, of Marston, the Marston science library. And I was actually able to get, I think it was like 20, 25 resumes of students that were really, really interested in actually helping out with the company. And so that was an amazing experience. And um, I also had met somebody during convocation who showed a lot of interest in the very beginning. Um, That eventually fizzled out and it was kind of just me by myself. But during that event at Marston, we had about, I think it was, we accepted two guys and one of them was a coder and one of them was a marketing person. Cause that's my weak spot is in the uh, marketing. I, I never grew up with much marketing. So I definitely needed somebody to fill in that, that gap that I had. Uh, and so that those, those two guys were really, really invaluable for, for a while. So, um, but then we, I was, I was luckily able to help them get their internship credit and you know, they provide, they definitely provided a really good service and I'm super thankful for them. That's awesome. So, like, what was that kind of relationship like? Because I feel like for a lot of people, learning how to be a leader is a very large learning curve. Um, Did you have any experience with that in the past? If not, what was that kind of like having to direct two people and kind of give instruction and kind of help two people, you know, be assistants? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and it wasn't only at two, as it went on, we at one point even had five people, including myself. And so that was really intense at one point to make sure that everybody, one thing that I actually had the hardest time was trying to divvy up the work in a way that I wasn't doing everything because this, and a lot of people I've met have a really hard time with letting go and trusting in other people. I, I, I was really bad about that. And, and a side note with, with entrepreneurship, even though I, I'm going to kind of spoil the ending that the company wasn't a huge success, but I feel like I really learned a lot about myself and just how to communicate and be able to understand myself better and be a better person in general, just from the skills I've learned. Um, but yeah, we, um, we had five people, including myself. And just I had previous experience back in high school. I was vice president of SGA. I think it was my junior year. Uh, and so that was a pretty good experience, but high school is completely un- different to running an actual startup where you have financials and, and people that are invested in it. Um, and so that kind of came naturally. The people that I had were really understanding and were really, really, really passionate about it. Um, and so I was really thankful for that. And that helped out a lot, but just fit, finding out how to let go and actually have them ask for work to do and ask like, Hey, can I do this? was something that was really, really incredible because not only was I trying to prove myself, they were also trying to prove themselves, I, not not to me, but like 
to put it on their resume because if they could make the company grow as big as well, they could say that they had done that as well and, and kind of stake their claim in the company, you know, and that was, I think, really impactful for sure. Got you. Nice, dude. That's so. So then, okay, you have this team, you're building this product. I know that you had to do a lot of pitching and talking to investors, potentially. What was that process like and how did you kind of get into this? Mm -hmm. Well, so that, that was actually Sir Kwong. He, he kind of, um, I'm trying to remember exactly the exact process, but I had stayed involved with him for a very long time. And over the, the course of that time, there were many different pitch events. I, I still remember my pitch event was at um, a brewery, I think it was, and, um, and or Swamphead Brewery actually is where it was. And we did the pitch event. And so that was something eventually long, long term, we never actually got any funding for, the, uh, for, for it, but for other businesses instead. Um, but that was a really, really interesting process because I, I consider myself a little bit more of an introvert and something about the startups is you have to be you can still be an introvert but you have to learn how to actually outgo a little bit uh, and so that that definitely took me some time to get used to but the process of getting up on stage I, and like I, I preluded to earlier was the good the good skills that I learned you know through even though the business wasn't a gigantic success just learning the skills of getting up in front of a crowd and learning how to talk with people and learning how to network was incredibly invaluable um right i highly recommend it even you know just doing a small startup and pitching it and you know developing the process through is just so worthwhile it really is right and like not even just having to talk to people but having to ask people for money mm -hmm. you know like i'm sure like that in itself is like a very scary prospect for people like how do you kind of deal with the whole financials part of it how did your team kind of deal with that? What, you know, like when the, like when the idea was still alive and you were still working on this company, were you making profit? Mm -hmm. Yeah. At one time we never actually made too much profit. We made a little bit by licensing it out to, to some of the pilot schools. We got into, I think it was at one time we were in, we were in two, well, we had a total of three and we had two at one time. Uh, and so we really never raised much money. That's actually why the company kind of dissolved a little bit just because we weren't pulling in those revenues that we that we needed to to be able to continue funding and bootstrapping ourselves. Um, but we, uh, of the five, well, four, four in, interns and people, uh, one of them was actually a financial guy. Uh, he was getting his degree in finances, or in finance. And so that was, um, he was really, really good. We did market projections and we tried our best to sell, but we, the numbers in something like this required a lot more money than we were able to willing, able to fundraise and also, and, and yeah, so that was, that was a fun experience, but. Nice. So then, um, and like, I want to move on to some of your more, um, like current projects, but I guess mm -hmm. one of the last questions I have about classroom sync is how did you kind of get the word out about this? How did you like market? How did you kind of figure out, you know, which people to start talking to, to actually get this into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of the biggest things that we did, and the timing on it was just absolutely perfect. We actually um, we went to a um, oh, what's the what's the word a convention, it was, and it was specifically targeted for education technology startups, or not startups, but just education technology. And it was called the FETC Futures for Education Technology Convention. I'm surprised I still remember that. Um, but we went to that, and that's actually where we got all of our. Uh, we got two of the um, pilot schools to that, and then one was through my. Um, my principal friend from back when I was in high school. And so that was really, really good to be able to do that. But then, like I said, I wasn't super good in marketing, but 
one of the interns was. And so being able to have him work on it uh, and some of the advertising that we did, we had a small advertising budget. We were working on that. We actually even sent out mailers. Um, we got some things, put it, packaged it in a box, wrote some handwritten uh, handwritten things and bought a list of all the uh, all the school administrators in the state of Florida. Uh, and so that was a really, yeah, it was a really cool experience just getting, getting out there, learning how to market and also how to do it effectively. That's something we... I think we all kind of underestimated was, you know, we were, we were spending, we were spending money, but you know, at one point we weren't spending it super efficiently. So once you could, once there was that steep learning curve, once you got it, it was good. And that was really something very valuable. That's dope. So, um, this is something that I was, I was talking recently to cause, or that I was talking to another founder about recently. Cause, um, in, Freshman year, I started a sticker printing thing, right? Pretty small thing in comparison, but it kind of sustained me for a while and was a very big part of who I was, you know what I mean? Which I'm sure, mm -hmm. you know, like, at the time while you're doing classroom sync, you kind of felt similar. Like, this is, like, you know, like, a business is kind of your baby, you know? And, like, it's a large part of who you are and what you're doing with your life, right? What was... Oh, for sure. Something I was talking to one of my friends who also founded his own company about was that kind of period after you stopped running a company and kind of that void where you feel because it feels like part of you is 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 gone almost did you experience that like kind of um like attaching your sense of self to your business and then once it not being there anymore kind of having to you know refigure out what to do with your time or like you know like which projects to do or even like feeling like part of your personality was gone like have you ever experienced Oh, definitely. Because one thing I was known, I was known as the classroom sync guy. That was my thing. That's all I talked about at one point. All my friends, they would continually ask me questions. How's it going? How's fundraising going? All these things. And that was definitely a, for, for a good long time. Uh, that was my 100% focus. And it just so happened that the, that the correlation between us kind of running out of money and running out of kind of options correlated with my school uh, grades declining. So I was able, luckily, I didn't really have a time where I just wasn't working on anything. I I actually have tons of ideas. I actually have too many ideas that I want to pursue. Um, but at the time, I, I really had to buckle down because my grades were starting to slip and I had to really focus on that. I had to get my priorities straight because as much as I love entrepreneurship, I, I do um, want to have some sort of backbone a little bit with when it comes to like financial security. Um, so that's something I value, but I definitely felt that there was something and I, I actually have my poster from that convention hanging up on my wall. And so it definitely feels when you have that lack, it's something that you've invested. For me, it was, I think it was three, you know, two and a half, three years of my life and having it kind of just gone without any real physical like results um, kind of hurt for sure. But you definitely move past it over some time. It's just kind of like a breakup. You feel a little hurt inside and then you kind of just get past it and move on to the next best thing. So. Right. All right. Totally. Nice, dude. Okay. So classroom sync. You know, you learn a lot. It doesn't work out. However, you know, like it was, it was obviously a very, like, large growth experience for you. After that, what were your next steps? What did you want to work on next? And what are you? Yeah. So, so over, so after classroom sync, I took about maybe about a about a good six months, about you know, two a semester or whatnot, um, a good amount of time. I don't remember how long, but I had my desire to really fulfill and go after another startup uh, wasn't until it was actually during the entrepreneurship club and I had mentioned that at one point I wanted to build a school bus RV conversion which is just more of a personal project I, I would I love the idea of 
being able to convert stuff. I have always been a builder. I, I love, as I kind of mentioned, I love creating stuff. And so for me, creating stuff is, could be intangible or tangible. And I really, really wanted to build a school bus and it was incredibly expensive. And I was saving some money together. I was looking for people that wanted to share the cost with me to kind of uh, lease it out almost. And I remember specifically one of the friend, one of the people that I knew in uh, entrepreneurship club, club um, they suggested, why don't you rent it out? I, people would probably pay for that, especially the fraternities and the sororities and the Greek life. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And so for a little while, I drew up designs for different types of school buses and shuttle buses that would be converted into party buses that would probably run a circuit from, you know, Midtown, uh, Gainesville to downtown to Frat Row to Sorority Row, kind of do a circuit, uh, circuit for a while. Uh, and that was going good. We actually raised $18,000 for that, more than uh, we had ever raised for Classroom Sync. And, and the personal reason why I think is just because of the returns on it, which were so much faster. Um, after we had, the bus would take about a good four to six months to convert, uh, just because we, we would strip it down completely and then rebuild it up completely. But um, the returns on it were so much faster, and that really incentivized a lot of my closer people I knew that would be more interested in and that would like to see the returns, you know, in, in a year versus in five or ten years. Um, but it just so happens that COVID happened, uh, and just like everything, it affects pretty much everything. Uh, hard and time, so, man. yeah, so, you know, of course people made it off a lot worse. And luckily we had never, we had actually bought a bus on Craigslist and we're in, it was a school bus, a regular school bus. And one of my friends who's, I think he's like six foot something. Um, if you've ever been in a school bus recently, I know, I know you're pretty tall, Shay. The, yeah, uh, I'm six five. I don't... Yeah. You probably won't fit in a school bus, or if you do, your head will scrape. I think the interior, if I remember correctly, the interior maximum height in the very dead center is like 6'4". Um, and so that would make a very good party bus, especially for your college kids that are usually taller or whatnot. Uh, and so we actually able to give the bus back, and we only lost a $50 deposit on it because the guy um, who we bought it from Craigslist had multiple buyers that wanted to buy it. So we were really lucky in that. And while we were searching for a second bus, which we were now looking at doing like a shuttle bus, an airport shuttle bus, um, COVID happened. And we kind of gave back the money to the investors. And we're like, we're going to hold off a little bit. It's probably not the best thing to buy a th uh, bus. We don't know what the party scene is going to look like. This was, of course, a year and a half ago. So nobody knew anything at the time. And so that kind of fizzled out. Uh, and I had intended once COVID started slowing down and things relatively started returning back to normal, which they probably have by about now. Um, we were intending on buying a bus, but now I've preoccupied myself with a lot of smaller businesses. And that's something I've really learned more recently in life within the last year is, um, to really, I, I am now a fan of doing these small businesses as in small, I mean, Etsy and almost fully automated businesses, not so much drop shipping. What I do currently now is I spent, I think I saw a post on the internet or something like that. And they had a map, they had a, uh, a map of uh, I think it was Korea and they had all, every single road and it was in this minimalist fashion. I'm like, Oh my God, I love that. I would love to buy that. And I looked online and there was nobody that had it. And at the time at least. And so I spent, this was over summer, uh, summer of, uh, summer of 2020. So it had been the summer that COVID was really running rampant. I spent a whole, I spent like two weeks and I, compiled almost every single uh like major city in the entire u.s and i made a whole bunch of different uh renders of it i did it in every in a whole bunch of different colors and i made an etsy store and for a little while 
I was actually fulfilling every single order. I was printing it. I was here in Gainesville. I was printing it. I was rolling it. I was shipping it and taking hours of my, hours of my day, just fulfilling the orders. I only got about four or five orders a day. Um, but that was something really, really fun to do. But eventually I figured out that there's entire services dedicated that use robotics to fulfill prints. It goes right off the printer and into, into some packaging and then off into the uh, UPS truck. And so I was able to actually automate that by doing a little bit of coding that I had learned over that summer and fully automated my production process to now where I basically only spend maybe five minutes a day on it. And I make a little bit of money, mainly just lunch money, but it's nothing, nothing crazy. But after that, I've really learned to embrace these small, almost like micro businesses. Um, and, you know, it only, I'm, I'm believing that uh, it only takes one business to really take off. So if one of these do take off, it, it'll be good. And I, I'm definitely more interested in doing a lot of these small little businesses, but I've been doing that and a couple other little things here and there. Um, I just bought an electric typewriter that syncs up with a computer. So that will be fun. I'm going to start making prints off of that. Um, but yeah, I, I've really been just doing a lot of, a lot of little things, kind of just enjoying it, not really fully dedicating myself to any one major, major project as of right now. Nice, dude. That's awesome. What's your, what's your process of coming up with the ideas that you have? Because you say that you have a lot and it seems like there are a lot of things that you want to do in the future. Like how do you kind of come up? Mm -hmm. Yeah, most, I, for me, it just takes practice. I've always been one to seek out problems and try to figure out how to fix that. Like I said, if, if I have, I love building stuff. I started out with building gas powered RC boats and then I'd have a problem. I'd fix that problem and then I'd blow it up and then I'd fix it and rebuild it again. Um, but for me, it's just looking at any sort of pain point that I have and I keep a journal and I have about, it's to the tune of around 50 business ideas. Most of them are not good at all. One, one of my favorite ones that I tell people is a Roomba uh, metal detector, which you know, I, I think it was born out of a, uh, my dad had bought a, um, what is it called now? A metal detector and my arm had gotten tired sweeping the beach. And I was like, oh, what if you automate that and have a little robotic, a uh, little, you know, attach it to a little robot and have it do it for you and then stop and beep when it finds something. And it's just stupid things like that, you know, looking for any sort of pain point and figuring out if you can make a, uh, make an idea of, of that and then automatically writing it down. I feel like that's actually the most important part. I've even found myself where I'm like in the middle of a dream and it's like four in the morning and I will purposely wake myself out of that dream to be able to write it down on my phone to go then go back to sleep again. Um, so it's been, it definitely, takes, yeah, it definitely takes a little bit of experience to be able to look for all these small things and look at the pain points. But I think once you open your eyes, they just flood, flood in. I have at least once a month, I'll find an idea, you know, even if I'm not looking for them. When a lot of people have a failure, like you know like something like classroom sync that like kind of put a lot of time into they kind of go back into their cave and they're like maybe i'm just not you know like cut out for this like how do you kind of learn to deal with that and then bounce back and start working on mm -hmm. yeah so for me i i was lucky to be born a i call myself I, I heard it somewhere described and it actually perfectly describes me um the phrase is delusional <laughs> <All right>. optimist <laughs> um <laughs> and I call myself that because I, I, I'm naturally good at picking myself up after getting hit and knocked down. Um, but I think just being able to do that, even if you're not an optimist, just being able to look at the silver lining, as I had mentioned earlier in, in talking with you, that uh, you know, even though the startup, even though class instinct didn't work out, and of course, that was incredibly sad. Like when I realized that it was kind of crumbling beneath me, that we really wouldn't be able to, to go. Of course, it was sad. You know, I spent two and a half, three years of my life on that. 
But I think figuring out and seeing the positives from that, we lost money, of course, but like seeing the positives and the things that I've learned, the people that I've, I've met, the networking abilities, all the abilities that I was able to gather and kind of get me to the point where I am now to where I can kind of develop my own things, be able to, you know, have the resources available to me, which was definitely the silver lining. I always try to look at the silver lining. Now, oftentimes there's sometimes zero, zero, zero lining, but I think just being able to pick yourself back up and just doing something is incredibly important, no matter what it is, no matter how big, how big you fall. So. Dope. So one last question. What, what, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur who kind of has ideas and is thinking about starting like what's like a piece of advice that you would want to give to someone else who was in your shoes yeah mine would definitely be to just pursue it no matter what it is even if even if you're writing down a business plan and talking to other people i think that would be incredibly valued kind of surround yourself with with similar like-minded people and you, who knows you might find somebody that wants to go on an idea together um so i definitely think it's just writing on it trying to act even if you're not fully acting on it. Some action is better than no action at all. And one thing I would do and something that I actually personally kind of regret was not getting input as in early on um, with a couple of, with both uh, Classroom Sync and Drawrider, I definitely could have done a little bit more research beforehand. And I wish I hadn't um, kept to myself as much as I had. I actually do wish I had told more people, got the word around before actually pursuing it just so that way we could confirm that it was a viable thing and that people were excited about it and that just to get input not even from your customers but from other people as well of course your customers matter the most but just seeing people and getting their ideas and getting their opinions on it really helps either validate yourself or validate your products i think dope that's awesome man i appreciate you taking the time out of your afternoon uh i'll definitely Mm -hmm. see you soon but yeah thanks man sounds good all right it's nice talking with you all right man we'll talk soon Thank you for checking out that episode of the Iterate Podcast. We appreciate you listening. Um, you can find us on YouTube at the Iterate Podcast. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Wideboy underscore. That's W-A-D-B-O-Y underscore. On Instagram at Wideboy. That's W-A-D-B-O-Y. And I hope you guys tune in for more episodes. Appreciate it.